Welcome to African Insight, a weekly program that focuses on infrastructure projects across the African continent. Have they lived up to their promises? Who will benefit? How and more? All here on African Insight. Welcome to African Insight, a weekly show that constitutes an evaluation of infrastructure projects on the African continent and the whole gamut of African development issues. On the show, we have spoken about illicit funds, corrupt activities, and mismanagement with infrastructure projects and with other developmental ventures on the African continent. Today, we are looking at procurement fraud in relation to the Ghanaian economy. Can one shady bidder or contractor obtain favor or advantage by any dishonest means possible in order to win a multi-million dollar infrastructural project? What are the causal factors and how much damage is incurred at the end of the day and what can be done to mitigate such endemic evils as procurement fraud? With us on the show to add enlightenment and unveil the beastly psychology behind procurement fraud in Ghana is firstly Graham Biller, a procurement officer in Ghana, and Samuel Opuni Boateng, a procurement specialist with Zenit Bank Ghana Limited. Graham and Samuel, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for the opportunity giving me. My name is Graham Bila, and I'm um, work, I'm currently in Ghana, and I work as a procurement officer in the public sector. Thank you, Derek. I'm so grateful for giving me this opportunity to speak on this topic, which is currently something um, everybody is talking about in the country when it comes to uh, procurement or when it comes to project procurement. Graham, get us started. What is procurement fraud and to what extent is procurement fraud prevalent in emerging economies? Why are suppliers in emerging economies prone channels for procurement fraud, especially regarding their usage by organizations in Ghana? Thank you very much for the question posed to me so far. I think there's a clear distinction between corruption and then procurement fraud. Well, let me first cite, uh, because you, the question is directed towards fraud, and uh, just give you some example with relation to that. When we talk about uh, fraud in respect to procurement activity, if you dishonestly obtain anything in your advantage at a detriment to an organization or the country at large, it amounts to what? Fraud. Now, there is something we term as collusion between suppliers, there's collusion between employees and the organization other employees themselves within the organization. And there's a, a, a fraudulent activity also like collusion between the, uh, the, um, the institution and the suppliers. Now, let me just pose this one with uh, the corruption uh, activities cited so far by the Center for National, uh, Center for Democratic uh, Development in Ghana. 
says we lose 1.9.6 billion Ghana cities in 2016 and it's an annual activity that happens now when we look at the procurement fraud mm -hmm. when the suppliers want to collude to win a contract most of the time they say that we need to what advertise in such a way that all the suppliers will like know themselves in a way especially with the price quotation for instance when you advertise and put all, or you sorry, you prepare the tender document and you put all their names in there, because their contact number and everything is traceable, they come together, agree on a certain price, so that among themselves one company will win. Behind the scene, you think that you've done something that is transparent, but behind the scene, they have colluded, and they they they, they come out with a certain price, knowing very well one of them is going to emerge as a winner. They do that. And within the organization, some will also say that let's connive, let's form something they term as teamwork between the heads of entity, the procurement officers, the internal auditors, the procurement officers, work in the accounts department or the finance department. They come together, they say this, we have something we term as a teamwork. And they will now bring the supplies, like price quotation, for instance, instead of they sitting down to do the right thing, they come together, they call themselves a teamwork. And because of that, uh, they, they, they connive internally, arrange to bring a supplier on board, and at the end, it makes the organization lose some huge sums of money. And we have where we have collusion between the workers and the suppliers. This is how it happens. When they want to engage in this fraud, they, they, we have something we term as the insider. The insider gives out information towards the supplier or the vendor. And because of that, normally leak some information, which is criminal. Mm -hmm. They leak out the information to the suppliers or the vendors and in a way help them to win their bids. And that is another form of fraud. In this case, when it happens that with organizations, it's not having the value for money, as we would normally say, everything is becomes standstill project becomes comes to a halt and all those stuff. Thank you very much. Thank you for that. Samuel, operationalization and mechanism vary with each sector and so do related evils and ills. Which sectors in Ghana are well known for misrepresentation of truth and why? How much damage has procurement fraud done to the Ghanaian economy? In my opinion, or currently... Um, most of the issues that comes up are more or less like um, allegation. They are all allegations and until proven guilty or until the, those involved or the perpetrators are proven guilty, um, I can't say much about that. Um, there, are various, um, there are various allegations in various sectors. So for instance, like health sector, like the agriculture sector, you look at the energy sector, the mining sector, the financial sector, as well as the education sector. There are various allegations that has come up from there. However, until proven guilty, um, I can't really say that um, they are well known for misrepresentation uh, of truth until they are proven guilty. So mm -hmm. in the private sector, for example, um, with regards to this COVID-19 and the protocols that government has put in place, you realize that most of the the PPEs that were sent to various health uh, uh, locations or the health facilities, 
realized that most of them were selling deals for personal gains. So they sell them individually and all that. And this came up, I'm saying this because this came up in expose uh, that uh, was done by Anas, Arimia Anas. We all know, and it is clear, that if there is a procurement fraud that led to any financial loss, it will have a consequential effect or damages on the Ghanaian economy. So, for instance, if an organization or an institution loses about three billion Ghana cities or three billion dollars, this money could have been channeled to do other things in other sectors that are actually crumbling. So, for instance, the government need money to support the school feeding program, the school feeding program, as well as the free education system or free education initiative policy the government has actually implemented. So if, for instance, in the energy sector, there is a procurement fraud of $3 billion, which is this is for example, uh-huh. um, I believe that that money could have been channeled to other economy, uh, other sectors to develop the sector. The government need money to develop the road, uh, 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 highways and roads in the country. So if there is a procurement for the government couldn't, the government can't do much. So instead of maybe the total cost of ownership for let's say 300 kilometers would have been $200,000. And because of procurement fraud, people are charging or the government or they are charging the government about $400,000. The 200,000 that has been lost could have been channeled through other sectors to develop the economy can be used to provide uh, 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 amenities, uh, social amenities for people, like water building, uh, constructing water, constructing facilities, constructing health facilities, constructing uh, transportation facilities for the less privileged in the uh, uh, in our villages and everything. Procurement fraud in an organization can lead that organization to collapse. And we shouldn't forget that Procurement is a key, a strategic tool for national development. Thank you. If I don't buy from my local vendors, how can they develop and provide employment for the people? Procurement in itself is a tool for national development and it needs that high level of attention as compared to what has been given to the uh, medical professionals, as has been given to the accounting professionals, as has been given to the lawyers and the rest. Thank you. Graham? Yeah, thank you very much. I think this one is well known uh, among most institutions. It's not, it's very common because most of the time you have, if we engage yourself in the procurement fraud, what we normally see is that um, uh, it's very common with the public sector, uh, the, uh, and it's, 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 it's something that is very common. Anyone knows. Most of the time, when you, someone even comes to bid, they ask you the question, uh, like a procurement have ever been engaged before. They tell you, do I add your ten percent on top? I said, what is the ten percent you are referring to? So it, most of the time, it's very oh. common. I can't single any institution out. I think I did some research with respect to the procurement reforms on service delivery in second cycle institutions in the country. 
And what I realized was when I went to these institutions, most of them were not having procurement officers in place. Those who were also there were not qualified. Others too, they, 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 those uh, they normally engage, they have something with them as a procurement committee, which is in charge of these procurement activities. And more to the point too, because they are not qualified personals, they don't have that skill and they have procurement committee instead of procurement entity and the procurement officer working diligently in that office. You realize that they engage in all kinds of more practices. And it's, it's, and uh, that's the second cycle institution I'm talking about. That's the SHS that we normally talk of. When you go to the universities, the training colleges, I think, uh, it's, when you go to the public assembly, for instance, it's, 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 it's a norm. Mm-hmm. It's a norm. Others, others also see it as a, a canker that is eating into every sector. And more to the point too, uh, if you are a procurement officer and don't condone and connive with some heads of entity, either you get yourself transferred or they put a problem on you and you get yourself sacked. So sometimes you might go there with a different attitude and personality, but I think when you fall, you find yourself in the lions, the way majority of them are very hungry and thirsty. I think uh, if you don't take time, you are going to be put into shame. So most of the time people also accept because the law doesn't cover procurement officers. So what do you do? You just have to just let it go. Samuel, a majority of flagship projects have been left at the messes of vultures and predators who care less about development of Africa and uh, more about lavishing their personal lives. How do fraud and corruption hamper the implementation of programs and projects? Thank you so much, Derek, for your question. It hampers projects, implementation of projects and uh, uh, programs because, one, the award of contracts or the contracts are not awarded to people who are qualified, who have the expertise to undertake such projects. And most of the times, you realize that those who won contracts and did not win the contract on merit, but through their, the way they have connived with whoever, whichever stakeholders to circumvent the process for them to win. If they win the contract, if anything goes bad because they've already tied your hands, mm-hmm. stakeholders find it very difficult to follow up with them to resolve the issue. If the project fails, if the program fails, they fail to hold the vendor or the contractor responsible. They fail to take the necessary legal actions against the vendor because whoever the stakeholder is have been paid, whether the procurement officer, whether top executives, whether whatsoever. That is why we have. Uh, 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 a road that will be con- that is constructed for within three months. It rains and the rain washes the surface of the road away, and nobody do anything. And nobody do anything about it. Simply because some stakeholders sitting somewhere have actually gained some fa- has actually gained some financial assistance from the contractors or financial assistance from whichever subcontractors are. So therefore, these are some of the ways that fraud and corruption 
hamper the implementation of projects and uh, 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 programs, especially in the public sector. In the private sector, yes, projects might be delayed. You cannot, and you see, with the private sector, because they are in competition with their competitors, Mm -hmm. They try as much as possible to control some of these things because they want to move ahead of time. But in the public sector, who, the government is not competing with anybody. The government is not competing with anybody. So some people find, uh, some people get along or get away with some of these things when they commit, uh, uh, when they find themselves on, uh, in, 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 in committing fraud and, uh, and corruption. Graham? Uh, thank you for the opportunity given. I think uh, this one has caused them the country great way in a great way. Uh, let me take you back to ages uh, whereby we have different government coming into operations and um, we realize that uh, when the government comes in, they are being voted into power. They come, they do their project, it gets to a point in time whereby probably said four years, they save eight years, ten hours of office, they move on. Another party comes with its own manifestos and other stuff, they move on. The community, the people in the community, the populace in the country will normally ask these questions. Why is it that this project is not being continued by the current government or the government that succeeded the previous government? And these are some of the questions that normally we normally pose. We've realized that contracts were awarded previously. The government comes in power. Probably the other government took its cut. Oh. So why do you have to continue with it? It means that the person has taken his share of the money. Therefore, you need to concentrate on new projects, whereby probably also take your cut. Again, we realize that most government appointees are pushing for their people because they have returned them as party financiers. The, these party financiers sponsor the government to come to power. And when they come to power, they need to find their way through by getting way of getting contracts. So yes, is to also get their own cut after the contract. Either they do a shoddy work or the project gets to a point in time, they don't finish. And because it's a norm among the politicians, no one takes any government on. So if this party, party E comes to power, his people do any work that is very shoddy and they don't complete within a stipulated time and another government comes, they don't think about it. They are looking at what they can give to what their party financiers. And when their party finances also come and do something that is uh, not of standard, the party themselves don't even question them. Mm -hmm. So now it's becoming a norm among these great politicians who we voted into power to make sure that things come well, comes off well. Graham, an inverse uh, relationship between that which spares development and that which asphyxiates progress is bound what is the relationship between fraudulent procurement practices and public procurement performance please describe the strengths and weaknesses of the legal framework set up to mitigate procurement fraud especially in such sectors as construction graham when we engage ourselves in the uh, procurement activities in a well uh, in the transparent ethical standards i think uh the nation stands a good chance of benefiting but when you engage yourself in any of the corrupt or fraudulent activities by way of serving someone's selfish interest it, it, it jeopardizes the economy by way of growth 
so I think uh, the nation need to focus on strengthening the procurement officers because they are the people that can give us information and insist on their rights by looking at the objectivity in relation to their work shadow. But most of the time, they don't even add them to the management. The Ministry of Procurement is also there, procurement, pro, uh, the uh, uh, procurement of Ghana too, I think uh, it's, 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 it's also not functional. And at the end, if projects are not carried out in a fair, transparent manner and we have some defective products in the system, people consume them and health-wise too, they are affected. Let's assume that in the health sector, for instance, how would the economy grow if we import substandard products? Someone consumes it instead of getting himself healed, He's getting himself, him or herself, uh, in another trouble because the chemicals being bought in the country, be brought into the country, for him to use that one to cater for the, 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 the those who are sick. We realize that they consume and they are finding themselves in a difficult situation whereby their situation has become worse. In that way, how would the economy grow? You buy substandard products. And the value for money is not there, but someone is also there enjoying because he has gotten what he has gotten because uh, and he's 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 no more interested. In whoever consumes it, let me give you a tip. Another example is is quite is quite off note, but we realize that our politicians in their communities they they engage themselves in other procurement activities, which I deem them fit in the category of fraud. When they fall sick, they don't want to go to such health centers. Why do they prefer to be flying to be flown out of, outside the country? Mm -hmm. Is it that the health sector is not that good? You ask yourself that question. It's because the chemicals that they have imported that kills the same sickness that they are going outside to get themselves treated. They think that the drugs are substandard. Therefore, it's supposed to be consumed by certain people and not their politicians. That's why sometimes they yearn getting treatment outside the country. And that one doesn't boost the economy, especially when you're bringing product of defect or substandard product into the country. Thank you. Samuel? Utmost thing in the public sector or public procurement is to ensure value for money spent by the government. So if you practice fraudulent procurement, you are actually causing financial loss to the state which means that government or the country is actually not going to achieve that value for money they are anticipating. Uh -huh. The reason for instituting the Public Procurement Authority to ensure that they regulate the procurement professionals or the procurement profession in the country. If a procurement process is full of fraud, is full of corruption, at the end of the day, it is you and I as the users or the customers or whatsoever who is going to suffer. So if they build bad roads for us based on uh, uh, corrupt or fraudulent procurement practices or through a corrupt or fraudulent procurement practices, the road within the shortest possible time are going to erode 
then you and I are going to use the road, get accidents for us to die of. People are getting accidents, people are not getting the proper health care simply because stakeholders to a procurement process could not follow through in a more professional way, did not adapt uh-huh. professional procurement, right procurement processes, did not adapt the right procurement processes to award a particular contract for whichever contractor who is fit for purpose, who has the expertise, who has the experience, who have the resources to implement a particular program or to undertake a particular project for the government, for the government to also achieve value for money. A fraudulent procurement process does not consider the total cost of ownership when they want to achieve value for money. So if you procure and at the end of the day, there is a consequential losses Mm -hmm. after procurement, then you have not done the right thing as a procurement professional. So we, we have the Public Procurement Act. 63 as amended which were recently amended um, um, so we we now have the acts uh, 914 which was recently amended and it's considered certain sections in the access three and made certain provisions which were omitted in the access three and all that and all those um, acts form the legal framework so if you commit certain fraud you have each fraud you commit has its own punishment and it is punished by law so for instance if your institution is supposed to set up an entity tender committee to oversee the procurement done within the trash within their threshold yes and you the organization or the uh, the public institution fails to institute that committee it is punishable by law by as stated in the access history as amended so in ghana we have this set of regulations um public procurement authorities in charge of ensuring that all these things the public institutions are here to the public procurement law and make sure that all the professionals within the public sector are are adhering to the law and if you go you do anything that contravenes or that go contrary to what has been stated in the assisted three um the law is going to deal with you however my issue is that uh-huh. when we have political parties we have political figures interfering in procurement process and if this thing is not checked and they are not brought to they are not uh, brought to book and they don't allow the legal framework to be executed then it is it is just having something written on paper just written on paper without any spirit back in it graham politics has in many at times than not a conduit for the bad and ugly what role does political will play in procurement fraud 
and do foreign multinationals have a part to play in the fraudulent practices if so state past examples and their effects on the Ghanaian economy politically i think uh, both the past and the current government have all engaged in a procurement fraud alleged i think uh, previously they said the previous government awarded the contract the consignment to his brother without following some due process currently there's another alleged fraud just like the previous one that uh, his brothers are also engaging in fraudulent activities you want to get into the heart of the matter but because of politics the facts are being distorted however with the multinationals engaging in fraud it's because we the africans or we the ghanaians uh, there's one there are some uh, some people that we fear one a black man with the power two a white person uh-huh. three the ritualists or the when you want, you want to visit the voodoo but the one person that we don't fear is is god so most of the time you realize that uh, people normally engage in fraudulent activities, but it's councils where heaven and earth that they never engage in such. So we realize that most of the time, these governments, the, both the previous and the current governments, have been, one way or the other been engaged in the fraudulent activity, reporting activity, alleged. Samuel? Yeah, Derek, thank you for your question. Um, in my opinion, um, which I don't have any evidence to back it, because uh, when it comes to political will and multinational, some of these things are dealt at the very top, uh, 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 top executives. And until um, they are proven guilty, you can't really confirm whether it is indeed what they have or it is something that has happened even though some of them some of the allegations are on various social media uh, 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 platform um however i mean when you look at um uh-huh. in reality you know that um, most political parties in africa uh, play key role when it comes to uh, uh, procurement fraud it's either a minister awarding a contract to a family member or um, uh, 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 an MP uh, uh, sole sourcing a particular contract uh, to a friend or um, someone, a CEO, um, uh, awarding a contract to uh, another family member, as well as multinational companies who are also in the country. This is because they also want competitive advantage. And therefore, if they are coming into a country where they don't have any presence, I believe they, want, they think they need to meet certain high political profile who will help them win certain political uh, government contracts because government is the highest spender when it comes to the Ghanaian economy. They spend mm-hmm. a lot and especially when you look at the, the, the COVID-19 uh, protocols or the PPEs for the COVID-19, you realize that the government is the highest spender when it comes to, to that. We are going to take a quick break and after the break, we zero in on e-procurement and curbing procurement fraud, integrating the human capital factor into procurement processes and the reactions on the ground. Join us after the break. 
This is African Insight on Channel Africa DSTV 802. Join me, Derek Mazarura, as we journey through the structure beneath the structure, northeast, west, south, and central Africa to find the project, the meaning with the people for the people. Every Wednesday mornings at 8, regional, national, sub-national, from Morocco's North Africa power transmission corridor to the eco villages in Togo, among many, all here on African Inside Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Graham and Samuel, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Derek, for having me back at the show. Yeah, thank you so much, um, Derek. Samuel, among many other presumed ways of resolving the somewhat subtle conundrum in combating the scourge of procurement fraud, has e-procurement been effective? Can e-procurement be manipulated in what ways, if any? Thank you so much for this uh, question. With the e-procurement, what consultants and service providers will be doing is to respond to tenders and seek clarifications and other information from their, the comfort of their offices, you know, so via the internet. So where you have the internet and there is a tender opening, you can, you can respond to it and seek clarifications and everything. And whoever, um, are those who are set up to have access to the system, We'll see the response, we'll see the, um, the clarification and the response being given to you and all that. And this will eradicate mm-hmm. this human interaction and where uh, 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 tender timelines, tender submission timelines and all that. So everything will be there when you submitted and when you did not submit. And who submitted what at what time. When people now become familiar with the system, people will try to find ways. As we speak now, I don't have any data or any evidence or anything where we know that there are loopholes. Yes, it's a system. When it comes up, as time goes on, they will find ways of fine-tuning them. Thank you for that, Graham. But, you know, I think the Port Procurement Authority started with something like um, central database whereby anyone who wants to source for suppliers will have to go through the central database that the Port Procurement Authority database to solicit for or to source for contractors. Now, they made it open again by saying that uh, we, those who are also working in these public institutions, if we have some suppliers who think mm-hmm. they qualify, they should come and pay some certain amount, go through some procedures, register, get their receipt, and they will be hooked online. Good. That one was that I think uh, it was a step in the right direction. After doing that, I think they've gone to sleep, and I think they are still sleeping. Now, then there's uh, other other public institution they are using GIFMES. I think the the GIFMES is a a database. Um, uh, sorry, it's a system that enables procurement activity to be done. Everything will be done online, but I think. Say they are able to lobby to get their people registered, they still lobby and get their people registered on their database. So what are we doing? The e-procurement, having a database with your own suppliers, I think you can easily fall and call them and they can do whatever you want still within what you want. If they have that thing that instead of 
saying that uh, we are going to work in coordination. They say we are going to work as a team. It's, and the word team uh, is different from coordination. Mm-hmm. So I think the e-procurement is not quite, it's not, it's not something that is, we've seen it fully blown in the economy in Ghana. But people think that when it comes to going to ease, corruption but i think is the attitude not changed towards corruption and the sanctions method to it that makes it quite workable so if people will deter from engaging in procurement fraud or corruption i think is the sanctions or the things or their remuneration that will make it better so if we are being paid well the auditors in the institution are also working diligently i think uh procurement fraud will be a thing of the past graham one can help but wonder if PPPs can be fatal ground for dirty deals too or not. Describe fraud in public-private partnerships. To what degree can PPPs spur effective and robust internal audit facilities and conceptual frameworks in order to fight against corrupt activities? I think public-private partnership is one of the ways of uh, mitigating against uh, corruption or fraud in procurement activities. But we should also forget that uh, most of the time when we talk about public-private partnership, mm-hmm. we are stemming on what long relationship with the government when they are signed with a particular assignment or duty. So what do you normally do? You rub shoulders with the government. And if you are not uh, abiding by international standards, you are not multinational in a way, and uh, you, you have you have a weak norm, definitely you fall in the grips of what the government. Though the wolves be revealed and colossal corrupt numbers be exposed, it can essentially be a matter of ordinary people bearing the cost in some way. How can ordinary people be engaged in procurement processes in both small and great projects? What are the people's reactions to fraud and corruption and have their opinions been regarded in any way? Samuel? So, um, you know, as I said, every project has its own stakeholders, both the internal and external. And if it is a government project, you talk of the public as well because um, if for instance in the construction industry they are going to construct a, a, a bridge the people who are going to use the bridge are stakeholders and therefore mm-hmm. these people can be engaged so even before setting up the scoop or the specification of the bridge the concerns of the people or the users should be considered before you go out even to tender. So the origination of need need to consider the concerns of the users of the bridge, the concerns of the users of whether whichever facility the government want to uh, uh, embark on. Mm-hmm. And that will form the basis of their specification or the standard or the requirement that they need to set out for the vendors to even submit their tenders. Ram and Samuel, thank you for affording us your time. Thank you very much, Mr. Derek, uh, for the opportunity given me. I think um, 
procurement fraud is a character uh, that needs to be eradicated if not eliminated and i think um uh, 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 um, it's, it's a nice opportunity giving me so far. I think I'm very much enthused about the way you pose your questions, and I think it's, it's, it's a very good thing. More of these things need to be done, I think, to unearth the ch challenges procurement officers are facing and how it's draining the country millions of cities, millions of dollars. I think this effort needs to be tapped. You need a tap on the shoulder so that your efforts will be, uh, will be, um, You'll be encouraged to do more. Thank you, Derek. We've come to the end of our show. And Africa, you must decide what to do with those who are embezzling project funds that belong to your beloved innocent. To all contractors and bidders, what kind of a persona are we portraying to the up-and-coming entrepreneurs? To governments and auditors aiding procurement fraud and corruption, when are we going to make things right? Are we going to carry on doing the job only for our individual families? Or we'll do it right and do the job for the African child? For doing it right is the African way. Join me again next time, same time, as we explore the structure beneath the structure right here on African Insight. My name is Derek Mazarura and it's bye for now.